Hey, how'd you like that new uh, musical intro there, Bob? Oh, it's fantastic. It's not quite Anaconda Wants Home from Elvis or whatever <laughs> that was last week, but I like it. Yeah, the production It's not going to get us heard on ro- royalties. No. It's a royalty-free song from our protection staff that is non-existent. Um, so anyways, welcome to uh, the Sensible Center uh, podcast number three. Uh, I'm Kevin, a left of center guy from the great state of Wisconsin, and uh, you are? I am Bob from the state of Tennessee. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? <laughs> Is it warm down there? Yeah, it's pretty warm. It's uh, epic all-time 120,000 years of world existence warm, from what I hear from the media. <laughs> yep, the world is burning. The world is burning up. Anyway, so... Uh, that explains the ahead. itching. That explains the itching, yep. It could be one of the explanations, anyway. <laughs> While we're from different political ideologies, we both believe our political system is broken and in need of reform. And it appears to be so more so every day. Uh, and we formed a political action committee towards that goal uh, called SensibleCenterPAC.com. So we invite you to sit back, grab an adult beverage or two or three, depending on how long the podcast is, because we are going to be drinking, and we'll get into that in a little bit, and listen to uh, what we believe is a respectable, sometimes intelligent, and occasionally fun conversation about politics, reform, and the issues facing our country. So thanks for joining us. For more information on our pack, you can be found at SensibleCenterPAC.com. And if there's topics that you'd like us to cover uh, in the podcast or just want to provide us some feedback, it's sensiblecenterpack at gmail.com is the email. Uh, We monitor that daily. So part of what we do also is discuss a broad range of topics, and we also enjoy some adult beverages. And I had just read a book, Bob, about beer in Chicago, and it just reminded me how appropriate drinking and talking about politics is because our country was actually founded you know in bars basically you know the the sons of the revolution and all of those people gathered in bars and talked politics and planned movements and all that good stuff while they were hoisting you know sam adams you know the beer and all uh our our founders were brewers distillers and uh winemakers yeah, and they were even in the book. They were even talking about you know the corner bars in Chicago, and that's kind of how people met and discussed and drew a community together. So I think uh, you know that just gives us more reason to drink and justify our drinking habit, right? <laughs> we're doing Absolutely. it for the good of the country. <laughs> you can thank us later. Yes, you can thank us later. So uh, I am. What are you uh, drinking? I am drinking. I opened the Buffalo Trace that I bought on my recent trip. Uh, I've decided also that I'm not just going to do bourbon because, we, you know, when we moved up here, we had a bunch of things, old bottles in the bar, and I moved them all up here. So over the weeks, I'm just going to start going through various assorted liquors <laughs> and draining the bottles that are up there so I could clear my 
my liquor shelf and uh, replace it some, with some other things. But most of can't it, wait for Goldschlager night. Yeah, I, I see a, I see a, a, a cinnamon uh, burst uh, Jim Beam. I mean, it's just a bunch of stuff that people have brought to the house over the years that we never drank. So somebody brought you cinnamon Jim Beam. Yeah, uh, 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 there's there's a lot of lot of good stuff in there. So this will be. Farm? Uh, there might be. Uh, there's some tequila. There. Yeah, I, I brought that over. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I'm just. I'm kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. The Boone's Farm. Yeah. So this will be the the probably the last time I drink a, a bourbon for a while. But uh, what do you got? I actually have two bottles open next to me. Um, in my glass right now is a Henry McKenna ten year bottled in bond. Nice. But I've also got a uh, antique. 107 Weller Antique 107 sitting next to me, um, which actually my neighbor gave to me, which was nice of him. Um, so I'll probably get into that before the conversation's over. Wow, you're drinking high class stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's high class, but I got it. I'm more. I try to keep. I try to keep uh, just a couple bottles open at a time. At this point, and these are the two that happen to be open, so. That's right. You got to get the the stuff out of reserve, right? Out of storage. You got it. You got All it. Right. So anyway, so we're we're drinking, and so we got a, a good list of topics that we're going to cover tonight. Uh, and so to start it off, we'd like to start with uh, the no labels party. Um, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with that. So just to give a little background, it's been getting. Uh, a good deal of heat, like over the last couple of weeks, they, they did a town hall, I think earlier this week or last week, um, which got some press and uh, I was just scanning through, you know, doing a quick Google search. But let me, uh, can, let we, me tell can, you, we, can we step back uh, just for a second sure. and, yep. and introduce the no labels party in case. Yep, yep that's what I'm going to do. Uh, so no labels was founded in. 2010 and it's the idea is it's more centrist it's bipartisan uh no labels meaning uh clearly that they're not identified with a particular party um it's 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 and we're gonna get into it a little bit because it's it's kind of interesting and, and and somewhat aligned with our our goals for the pack uh to kind of tone down some of the extreme rhetoric on both ends of the political spectrum. Um, so they've been around 2010. Um, they, I don't think they've run a candidate yet. Um, but I think given uh, the um, given the rancor we see and the 2024 presidential, presidential election coming up, um, their, uh, their main push has been over the last years to get, uh, certified to be on the ballots of all 50 states for that presidential election. They haven't determined yet, uh, if they're going to run somebody. Um, if you check out their website, uh, they call it a, an insurance policy for 2024. Um, but kind of reading between the lines i think they do plan on running someone if we see uh biden versus trump again and they 
think that they can uh, run and win an election. So that's kind of the, the thoughts behind them. And, you know, I like I said, there was a town hall. Uh, Joe Manchin, who people might be familiar with, uh, the senator from West Virginia, West Virginia, who's been in the news a lot uh, over the last several years because he's, he's sort of the Democrat, a uh, very centrist Democrat that's kind of uh, played both ways on some of the bills and, and getting things that he wanted in there, uh, similar to Kristen Sinema uh, down in uh, Arizona. And John Huntsman, who actually ran for... Um, uh, president at one point i don't think it was 2016 it might have been could have been 2016 um or 2012 who they were both governors of respective states west virginia on mansion and huntsman was governor of utah uh for several years and then ambassador to china and russia so fairly substantial people involved joe lieberman uh who ran with al gore back in 2000 as his vice presidential candidate is involved he's sort of always been an independent i think they're trying to appeal to independents and moderates on both parties and so the question is uh you know if you read some of the headlines here you got anything else to add in regards to kind of the background on no labels Bob? Yeah, i'll just add i don't think i heard you say john huntsman's name um yeah, he's a Republican. Exactly. Did yeah. you mention John? Okay, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, so you, you got people from both sides of the aisle. Um, I, the first headline I wrote, wrote I, I'm sorry, I read about these guys was from Mother Jones. It's a yeah. nice hit piece. Yep. And, and that's a good sign for me. Um, <laughs> in short, Mother Jones is stating it's funded by dark money. And they're just attempting to siphon votes from Uncle Joe. Um, of course, the No Labels Party, as you mentioned, has been around a lot longer than Biden's been in office. Um, so that's garbage for anybody who has any kind of political memory. Um, and, you know, I was scrolling through the headlines. And I noticed that there you you can go through the headlines just if you Google mother, or if you Google no labels party yep. all the liberal papers are just slamming it no labels isn't a party group um it's not a real party no labels is a scam um arizona's no labels party is no political party it's a scam there's about five or six papers and publications that call it a scam with the same headline which is interesting to me yeah, mansions very... no labels party could backfire. Yep, I mean, I I think from the liberal side of things, they're clearly fearful uh, that uh, this type of party is going to sway, um, uh, not sway votes, but take votes away from Biden more than maybe the Republicans are. But um, you know, I just saw here's one day ago a Wall Street Journal op-ed the no. Part, the no labels 24 uh, election threat to Trump. Uh, but clearly, like you said, I think there's um, more uh, vitriol on the liberal side. Uh, here's Sun Sentinel. No labels is an insurance policy to better, 
benefit Trump. These are all editorials. Uh, New York Times, what the Joe Manchin no labels fantasy gets wrong about America. And I think you're right. I mean, the more the more the sort of establishment, the the and, you know, like we talked, I think I think the media in general likes the extremes. It, it, I think it's good for them. It sells uh, it gets eyeballs. It sells newspapers. I don't think a, a, a centrist party is in their best interest. Um, so from that economic standpoint and then, you know, to the extent that they think it's a threat to democracy by uh, taking votes away from Biden in an election, um, you know, I think that's why we're see- seeing some of that. And I think it's great that, you know, it's so obvious what's going on here. I was trying to find a conservative source that commented on the party. And, you know, again, it's there's dozens, if not hundreds of liberal papers who commented negatively on it. Fox has had a couple of headlines and all the Fox headlines are just commenting on the liberals opinion of the party. Right. Yeah. I don't see a lot of conservative opinion out there on it. Um, you, I, I guess you could call political more middle of the road, although I'd say they probably lean left and it's the same sort of thing from political. They're throwing a coming out party, stoking them fears of a third party bid. Right. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's the party's interesting on the surface. Um, one of the things I find interesting is John Huntsman said, you know, a flip of the coin to decide the candidate. Um, I think that could really make a general election interesting if it got that far, because if they flip a coin and put a conservative or an ex-Republican candidate up, it, it could siphon votes away from Trump. Right. They're they flip saying, the coin and put they're saying it Joe Manchin matter. up. Right. It's going to yeah. hurt Biden for sure. Right. Yeah. Here, and, and maybe they're just trying to stoke fear among both parties to kind of create change. That's, that's it, it, it's an interesting thought, but it's not. I mean, a flip of the coin is not going to change the political issues we have in the country. I mean, they need to establish a plan and a path and a candidate. All the way, you know, from primary to end. And and I looked at their platform quite a bit, especially leading up to this conversation, but prior to that when we had discussed them before. And unfortunately, I don't really see a lot of details. What they say they want aligns with what we want in the sensible center pack. But there's not a lot of substance as to how well, how they're going to get there at this point. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think they've... Uh fleshed out their policy positions because I don't think that's been their focus at this point. I think their focus is getting uh, access to ballots, probably attracting attention and some money. Um, I would imagine that, although that, you know, I listened to the town hall, the complete town hall, and just to kind of back up before we talk about what, you know, what the possibility is and the likelihood that either they're going to run somebody or that whoever they runs, could be elected, you know, I think what I heard was a lot that sort of aligned, at least from, you know, Huntsman said the system sucks, it's broken, 
Uh, there's a glaring error in the way we run campaigns. We need campaign finance reform. Um, Manson said both parties have benefited greatly from dark money. Uh, he said uh, he would vote to overturn Citizens United. Um, you know, uh, Huntsman said you got to bring together a coalition of willing. Um, said that the only industry that hasn't changed and evolved in this country is politics, which I think is true. Um, Manchin said the parties want us to think that we are more divided than we are. Uh, he also said no one is talking about the debt uh, and why is that. So, I, you know, I would be encouraged that they'd have some type of balanced budget amendment, some campaign finance reform. I mean, it, yes, they need policy details as they kind of go, but I don't think they want to get into that kind of nitty-gritty yet. I think they kind of want to throw out the, the high-minded idea of having a, a, a bipartisan ticket and a unity ticket and kind of going from there. So um, just on the face of it, I think it's something to pay attention to as we kind of go out, uh, you know, through, through the rest of the year and kind of figure out who the two party candidates are going to be. But um, Hey, man, I'm jumping on the bandwagon for change. Yep. If you're, on, if you're on board for change, let's get together. Let's get together as a group. And let's ha let's make it happen. Yeah, because what we have, I don't think I don't think there's many people in this country right now who want Trump versus Biden, right? It's just it it's a complete mess. And but the problem is, right? I mean, we do have underlying problems with trust in government that go way beyond either of those candidates. Those candidates are both symptoms of the long-term distrust in government. So yeah. Absolutely. Let's, and, you know, I I don't have a problem with Joe Manchin. Generally speaking, I like Joe Manchin. Um, I, generally speaking, I like John Huntsman. I think they've yep. kind of been both um, pretty centrist without any major um, scandals in their time. I mean, of course, you always get attacks. Uh, Manchin gets a lot of attacks from the left and the right. There, you know, there's some evidence of him taking lobbyist money but that's today's world yeah but i think generally speaking he's been kind of center of the road and he has to be in that state of course um again i, I like the idea i'm all for change and joining joining together joining hands um also though i want to see something more i want to see it get somewhere before i put too much weight into it yeah obviously that's that's fair and like i said i think uh we'll keep an eye on it i just to give a little bit more background you know looking at their website some of the things they say are we're the common sense majority uh you know this is directly from their website washington only works for washington we're working uh for, to change that uh they're a national movement of common sense americans pushing leaders together i mean it, it does sound good um, you know, they've done polling. Uh, I think they're encouraged by the number of independent voters there are in this country. And you got to remember, uh, you know, if three people run and, you know, I'll be, I'll admit I voted for Ross Perot in 1992. Good for you. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we have to consider 
people outside of the third parties and you know I generally I, vote libertarian especially in and in, in, at the state level or at the senator the the federal senator rep level that's just me yeah i mean i i thought ross was speaking the truth at that point and uh clearly a businessman with uh, that built a lot of great ideas and a smart guy. Uh, I don't know if he would have been the best president, uh, but I, I think either you have to take the leap or you don't, you know. Uh, so they've done polling. I think they're encouraged uh, by the independents. I, you know, they think, and here are the numbers from uh, their website, 59% uh, of all voters say that they would consider an independent uh, candidate. And interestingly enough, 59% uh, of those are Democrats and 53% Republicans. Uh, so this argument that it's only going to come from the Democratic side, I think it depends on who they would run. You know, like you said, if it's a more conservative leading yeah. candidate, they might get more Republicans than Democrats. You don't know. And, and here's why where it gets difficult, right? Because if you have a third party or if third fourth and fifth party the media doesn't want to cover it because you know that that's a problem and then it's the yep. election rules that are put in place by the party that you have to clear a certain number or a certain percentage of support to even get put on the stage and until you can get a third party at least on the stage and acknowledged it's going to be very difficult to get anybody elected right so I mean, that's one of the first barriers you're going to have to break through. And that might be something we want to consider as a PAC, as well as having, you know, a condition of support be um, your willingness to change laws to allow third, fourth, fifth, sixth parties on a debate stage. Oh, sure. I mean, it shouldn't be just two parties debating each other. I mean, what's what's the sense in that, right? Right. It's a um, debate of ideas. It's a debate of and ideas. not just ideas, but also uh, more people so we can consider their actions, right? Yep. So, uh, and then they said 70% of independents, which I thought was interesting since independents should always be open to an independent party candidate, I would thought. But, you would think uh, so. <laughs> so, you know, they point out uh, to win the Electoral College um, – so of that 50, high 50% of people who are willing to consider uh, a third-party candidate or an independent candidate, they think they only need to get 61% of them to actually vote for them. So a little bit more than a majority that would consider because they're saying they only need 37% of the electorate, and I didn't do their math, to win in the Electoral College. So... Uh, you got to remember when there's three candidates running, the math is a little different, right? Um, so if you're looking at Trump getting, you know, his high 30 percent, I mean, there's room to move to for somebody um, to kind of kind of split the difference and take a, a wedge between the two parties. I think, you know, my take, at least on the chances uh, like you said, they need to come out with more detail. They need to get, I mean, I'm encouraged that they're starting to get some some media coverage, even if it's negative. 
because I think for some people that gets them more interested because like you said, hey, why, why, why so much pushback on these guys? Is it, is it a real threat? Um, and then, but I think, you know, of any of the times that this could be possible, 2024 is, you know, a likely time, right? Um, given, given some of the things we're seeing in regards to indictments and, and oversight committee investigations and, um, and, you know, just the, the nature of the two, two candidates that appear to be going down from the two parties. Um, I think there, there definitely could be an opportunity here. You, you agree with that? Or you just, you, you just you, need to make, you, uh, I think there's an opportunity to make some, some waves. I don't know if 2024 is the year for an independent candidate, but I think it's a great opportunity to start getting some attention, right? Some traction. Yeah. And, and whether, whether it's the no labels party or the forward party or another party, um, or an evolution, know. right? I think I think there's opportunity. You've got to start somewhere. You got to get that five percent, and then the ten percent, and oh, then the fifteen, and then the twenty, and it's just it's how it has to work. So now's the time, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I would sort of equate it. You got to jump on it. You know, Trump in 2016. Uh, who would have Who would have thought he would have gained that much traction? But the country, a good part of the country, was ready for that at that point. And it hit like wildfire. So, you know, I wouldn't discount to say that you got to build it up slowly because I think, uh, given how quick things move, I think you got to you got to hit the opportunity at the right time. Um, and I think that's what they're going to weigh uh, when they get to that stage. And so, we'll see. So, um, I would encourage people to check out their website. Uh, I think they're. Uh, you know, they're going to be in the news and having town halls and things. Uh, they're, you know, they're not saying they're running. They're not proposing any candidates at this point. But uh, I know that they've raised a good deal of, you know, of money so far to, to kind of get this ballot initiative going. So um, we'll, we'll keep on monitoring them. But I think some of the things they're saying uh, kind of align with what we're talking about here. Yeah, and I, you know, one just one more point cap off right ranked choice voting is one of the things that our PAC supports yeah we'd like to see ranked choice voting across the country in all elections federal and local and I think um, it, it aligns well with having multiple parties it's no longer the lesser of two evils yep yep the math is a little different it, I mean it opens it opens things up more um, than, than kind of having a binary choice and saying uh you know i'll take this guy and not that guy it, it kind of lets you uh have more kind of a more nuanced election um so uh great discussion if i don't mind saying so myself on no labels um so check them out and uh we'll, we'll keep on talking about them um the other thing i want to cover here um there were a lot of in june uh, the Supreme Court hands down uh, pretty much. Uh, it seems like they cover most all their decisions in June. I don't. 
it seems like they they're procrastinators or something. I don't know. I don't know what goes on. You know, uh, whether they don't work the rest of the year or they just they put off writing their opinions to June. But they they always seem to come out with a bunch of them in a couple of weeks before they head off for the summer. So <laughs> um, they came up with a bunch of them in June, and there's some interesting ones, and we thought we kind of. Just talk about them and kind of describe uh, kind of in layman's terms what we think they mean for the country. And I mean, my my first take is, uh, you know, the, the liberals might have gotten too uh, excited about this court being all conservative because I think their their rulings have been more balanced than uh, some on the left coming coming from a center left position would have feared. Um uh, and even the ones that that might be considered more right right leaning, if you read the opinions, they kind of they kind of came up with a rationale that I you know generally uh, agree with. So let's let's just walk through one one had to do with gerrymandering. It's a if you don't know what gerrymandering is, uh, it dates back to uh, Eldridge Jerry back in the I think it was still in the 17 or early late. 1800s can, can uh, i just give my hot take on this before you okay. move on sure. all right hot I take mean, hot take the conservatives are constitutionalists first not conservatives that's my opinion when it comes to the supreme court justices i agree i, I feel like i can't say that for the liberals they're constructionists they they it depends on how you view the constitution yes i agree do you view it as a as a document that you need to kind of follow tooth and nail, or did the founders kind of put some air in it so you can interpret things a little bit more uh, loosely for the times? And I would just, agree. I mean, all right. So I'll, I'll try to support that as we get through some of these. I, and personally, I don't. Cases, I, but... I don't think what my personal belief is it should be. Uh, interpreted for the times. Uh, I don't believe the founders uh, intended it to uh, be, I believe it should be a living document. Uh, but I also kind of understand people saying, well, we're, you know, if we keep on uh, interpreting it in different ways, then where do we go from here? And can't we just read the words? Although in, in, in truth, it is a living document. It can although, change. You just need Congress to change the law through the amendment process. I mean, there is a system in place for that, right? Yeah. So it it can grow, and it can change. Do you want Do you want to get rid of the First Amendment? It can happen. Sure. You just need Congress to do it. Yeah, there's a process for it, or or state legislatures. The states could do or could do a constitutional convention. Yep. Um, yeah, so there's, there's the two interpretations of kind of the way it goes. And, you know, I, I think sometimes the constructionists read, well, we'll, we'll get into the second amendment sometime, but, um, anyway, so gerrymandering is just redrawing districts, uh, either one party or the other will redraw a district to either, uh, throw some of the other you know they've got all the data on voters and and 
I mean, this is a bigger problem because there's more data generated about people and their habits. So they can easily kind of um, match people to a district so uh, they can eat, so that they have less of a challenge in an election is kind of the bottom line of gerrymandering. So some of the districts are drawn very strangely uh, to kind of get the right numbers uh, for one party or another. And traditionally, uh, the state legislatures have been the ones that have the power to redraw it. Some states are now getting independent, and we could get into that, uh, you know, at a later date when we talk about uh, kind of district maps and some of the efforts, the reform efforts to get over this. But as far as the Supreme Court ruling went, um, they ultimately said uh, that the legislatures didn't have ultimate authority, that the courts, the state courts, uh, and in this case it was the straight st Supreme Court of North Carolina, do have oversight over such things uh, in regards to elections. So, uh, in particular, in gerrymandering in this case, but I think uh, generally people interpret it as elections in general, which then gets into an interesting argument um, because I think part of the strategy uh, for overturning the 2020 election was to go back to Republican state legislatures and have them overturn election results. Um, so I think generally people are interpreting this that, that says, yeah, that might be the case, but especially in Wisconsin where we just had a kind of contentious Supreme Court uh, election that was, they spent more on the election of the and the Supreme Court uh, justice in the state of Wisconsin, uh, we elect our, our justices uh, than I think has ever been occurred because of the fear that Madison uh, and Milwaukee is where all the money was spent, though, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Um, and yeah, a more liberal one. Um, so the the thought would be that that would be a stop because we have a Republican legislature in Wisconsin that given that we're such a purple state and the next election's expected to be tight here, that, you know, if anything happened to the legislature, that the Supreme Court of Wisconsin would still have some say in the matter. Um, so I think yeah, And I think they got ger gerrymandering right, too. I mean, states' rights are important, but not if they're making decisions based on race. And you have seen that in areas of the country where – Gerrymandering has been done based on race. That absolutely should not happen. I mean, that's that's a yeah. violation of civil uh, rights, first yeah. of all. But you know, but if a state wants to gerrymander, I kind of agree <laughs> that it, it it should be allowed. You, I mean, you're good with it. I'm, well, I I agree as long as there's checks and balances, and it sounds like they say there should be checks and balances. Uh, you know, if, if the state Supreme Court then says, hey, you know, I think this was done properly. I don't think we've taken away people's constitutional rights or, you know, we believe in this country that states basically and localities run elections, uh, not the federal government. And I'm OK with that. Uh, everyone does it differently. Uh, but this kind of said, yeah, there's there's a check and balance here. And. I feel more comfortable with that check and balance. Yeah. I mean, my, my gut tells me, you know, on the surface, gerrymandering is a bad idea because 
you know, for the, some of the reasons you stated. Um, but when it comes down to it, states' rights was an important part of the founding. It's important for the Constitution. And again, as long as it's, you're not discriminating against race or any other protected class, then yeah, it's legal. And they actually did rule on another case with particular to race coming from Alabama, where the, they felt that uh, uh, Alabama had diluted the power of black voters by putting them, or African American voters by putting them in one district. Sure. Um, so they actually did a separate ruling just based upon voting maps and race. And again, they ruled, um, you know, against the state in that point. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I mean, and it's a, like a spaghetti map. Ridiculous, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's gerrymandering. And then uh, another one was affirmative action. I think that one got a lot of, lot of press in regards to the college admissions. Um, so basically it said, you know, in regards to college admissions, they can no longer use, uh, you know, race as kind of a, a determining in, uh, factor in admissions. Oh, again, they're created equal. Again, I, I, you know, I read the opinion because I, I thought it was interesting and, you know, gave it some thought. And, you know, they did say in the opinion, even the majority opinion said, hey, you're, we're fine with you looking at other factors socioeconomic we're all about providing people opportunity but to do so based upon race is not uh you know consistent with equal opportunity so i sort of you know i'm like okay that makes sense if you're if you're uh african-american and your father graduated from harvard and you have tons of money and that shouldn't you know you obviously have opportunity right um better than a probably a poor caucasian or white kid or latino or whatever right so it should be kind of all-encompassing looking at sort of the the whole weight of are you providing this person an opportunity and you know are there other diversity factors to consider i you know i don't think that they backed away from saying you can't look at those other factors they're just saying yeah just on race is doesn't seem correct at least that's the and way i interpreted the rule yeah I, I completely agree i'm just you know i i love justice thomas <laughs> I, you're I the one do. <laughs> and if you, you and his read wife. his opinion if if you if you read his opinion you know on this case and and really he he tore apart Justice Jackson on, you know, in his opinion as well. He just, he, he, he nails it on the head. It's not just the fact that all men are created equal, right? It's the idea that affirmative a- action needs to be in place because the idea that other races are inferior, right? It locks other races, in, in his words, not mine, and he's referring to Justice Jackson's opinion here, but he says, yeah, it's interesting affirmative that had, action was locking both. blacks into a seemingly perpetual inferior case, right? So it's, it's my opinion as well, right? It's not, it's about all men are created equal. Yeah. 
And the argument for affirmative action is it's needed because other people can't meet the same standards, right? And that's that, that brings everybody down. It's not fair. It's not what the Constitution's about. It's not political. It's not racist. If anything's racist, it was affirmative action. Everybody deserves a fair shot. That's yeah, all it's about. I, I, I agree, but... Uh, you know, and as you we do, stated we do have a too, history in this country that we can't oh, avoid, right? Sure. You've okay. got a history. And, and that was right. her opinion, right? I mean, Justice Jackson basically said, you know, legacy of slavery and the nature of inherited wealth yep. is a disadvantage to people. And that's why she had voted against the, the uh, winning opinion, if you will. And Thomas responded, such a view is irrational. It's an insult to individual achievement and cancerous to young minds seeking to push through barriers rather than consign themselves to permanent victimhood. And it's, I mean, there's obvious history. And I think the co the court covered that. I think it was Roberts, and, and you alluded to it earlier, but I think Roberts said, you can write an essay, talk about, races yep. affect sure. on your life yep. and that's fine right if the, it's completely legal and if it's going to add an you know um if it's going to add some diversity to the university based on your opinion or your experience it's fine to bring them in right, right. you don't have to grade just on your gpa or just on your sat An essay and experience matters, but you just can't exclude people because Asians are smarter than everybody else, right? You can't exclude people because whites are more privileged than others. You can, you know, and that's, uh, I love it. Right. That's the other side of the equation, right? That certain people weren't getting in because of these race Minorities weren't getting race -based in. Race-based factors, right. Um, so I think we both agree that I think it was a, a fairly balanced op opinion. I think it uh, probably was the right decision at this point uh, where we're at uh, as a country. Um, so, again, I think it was pretty balanced. Then we get into the, the student. You got anything else on that one? I'm going to go yeah, to student, lo student, loans cause, student loans because you love that one. I'm um, in heaven with this topic. Man. <laughs> so – it, you know, here's my take. I think it was a. I I agree with the opinion again. I mean, clearly, uh, Congress has the power of the purse. I, you, and this is related to loans, uh, forgiveness of loans. Um, so from that standpoint, I think it's fairly clear cut. I don't think anyone was surprised by that ruling. But I've always thought it's a political loser for the Democratic Party. Being even left, uh, you know, like I am, I don't get it. I don't – you're appealing to the people who have student loans, I guess, um, because they're getting money. Uh, but what about all the people who don't go to college and all the people who've paid off their student loans or, and or struggle the, for the years of their to, children? Yep. Struggle yep. for years to – yeah, or put – yeah, or saved up money – and and you know didn't do things and paid for their kids i don't here's what it comes down to from i think is it supports uh 
universities who have had thousands and thousands of kids go through on $100 or $150,000 loans that are going to make $30,000 a year in a basket weaving. Well, that's, that's the stereotypical right? argument, yeah. Because I don't think that's always the case. It's, but. Uh, ad- administrators and teachers and unions are typically leaning one political direction, right? So you can fill their pockets by paying off these loans, and then the money flows back to the political party. That's kind of my opinion on the matter. But do you still think it was a good decision from politics? I mean, when you think about the majority of Americans, you're talking teachers, administrators, and whatever. I don't think that that's the majority of Americans. I'm, I mean, maybe they were just appealing to. No, like, but it's where the like money it's, flows. It's it's not it's not about votes. It's about money. That's so the thing. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I don't politi- know how much money there is there. Teachers, gen- professors, teachers unions. School administrations generally donate money in a specific direction. Not always, but often, right? And so, I mean, you want to fix the problem, tie the price of a degree to the price of, or to the money you're going to make when you come out of college. If you're going to make $30,000 a year, your degree should probably be priced at no more than $30,000. Right, or maybe three thousand dollars a semester, or something along those lines. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to need extensive training. Potential to make two hundred and fifty, three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or more, depending on your field. Right, surgeons make more probably. Lawyers charge more for those degrees. I think that seems more fair. That's that's the way you yeah, I mean, fix the problem, right? Clearly, there's there's an issue with the cost of school, and and I I do uh, understand kids who are going through now building up the the loans, but this does not solve that problem. Um, and no. so so I think we should focus in on solving the problem, and I think a lot of it is I don't think money's going into teaching. I don't think that's the cost. I think it's more administration and uh buildings i think you know you walk around campuses nowadays and they've got new buildings and uh you know the dorm rooms of yesteryear are all gone you know there's a new uh you know fitness center and whatever it's all it's all upscale to attract students but there's a price tag that comes with that right and but I think, a lot of these universities also have billions of dollars sitting in bank. yep absolutely yep. That they don't spend either. Absolutely. That's no, part of it too. Um, so I think we both agree on that. I mean, we could get in the cost of college and all that, but I think it was a fairly clear cut decision. I, I don't even think it was, uh, I didn't even read the, the minority opinion. I don't know what, what, what they came up with to, to kind of justify that. But um, I, I, I think it was a decent, th- the only thing I had on that, the only thought in I short, had on the that, opinion was really about, they, the president didn't have the right under the law right yeah to just you know wipe the money yeah I, simple I, I, as I, that right and and and, and, and but the other version of it or the uh, the dissent was basically yeah the, the law gave the president the right yeah. what was it something law of 
1965 or something like that. I can't even remember what it was anymore. But in short, they didn't address the main issue. And it was pretty clear that the president can't just make stuff up or or not just the president, but an agency can't take a law that gave, you know, money for one thing and just put the money into something else. Yep, I, I agree. Um, the only the only thought I had, and this is not on, because uh, this was a separate issue, but you know the, we did have the PPP program, which was true, you know, billions of dollars also in comparison to student loans, and there was yeah, a lot bad of ball. yeah. Okay, so we're you know from the standpoint of well, those were all forgiven, and you know there was an easy way around that, you know. I'm all for, you know, if you're going to if you're going to be affected by the pandemic and we should support uh I more small businesses than anything. I don't know how many small businesses actually got the support, but to the extent that your business was affected, fine. But that was a broad-based kind of just throw the money out there program. If if your revenue wasn't affected and I'm thinking a good number of them weren't uh, they still got free money from the government. And I think that's just wrong. Um, you know, I wish the the Republicans, I, I'm pretty sure they're the ones who wrote the, uh, well, it was the Trump administration. I guess it was a Democratic Congress at that point. Uh, I think it was bipartisan because they both decided to throw money at it. In either case, like you said, uh, that doesn't make sense either. Uh, I know from a constitutional perspective, Congress has the power of the purse, but from, you know, if I'm a student and seeing this going out and saying, well, you, you kind of gave out free money there and now you're not giving me free money. I, I can kind of understand that gripe. Two wrongs don't make a right though. No. And I, and I think right now to the benefit of the, those in the government, are in power right now is they are trying to go after the ones who cheated PPP. Sounds like they're going poorly written from the start. I don't think they'll be able to catch them all, but there are some very blatant examples of people who had a company 10 years ago and it didn't report any income for 10 years. And all of a sudden they're taking, you know, a million dollar or $500,000 loan that was going to be forgiven and somehow all of a sudden they've got a Lamborghini and a nice house. Right. I mean, they're getting them slowly, but surely we'll never recover it all, but at least they're trying. What do we got next? All right. I think, uh, we got a couple more topics we want to cover. Uh, one, being and you know they're starting to talk about this a little bit more because I don't think Donald Trump's committed to any debates at this point and I think the first one is coming in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you know that the Democratic convention's being held in Chicago and the Republican one's being held in Milwaukee. So uh, that'll be right interesting. Across the border, yeah. When's That'll the last one that was held in Chicago? I feel like it was... I think it was uh, 96, maybe? I yeah, think right in the older. middle of Clinton's... I, thought, I feel like it was just right between Clinton's two campaigns. 
Yep, I think it was 96. I didn't know that they were doing it. I knew about Milwaukee, but I didn't know that uh, Chicago was having the Democratic. So it should be interesting uh, next year. Uh, so anyways, so I think Fox is holding the first uh, debate in Milwaukee probably uh, towards the end of August. And Trump hasn't committed. And I can't believe that he wouldn't show up because he loves the camera and the spotlight. I just can't see him not doing it. Uh, so that, that that's my opinion there. But the question is, should he or shouldn't he? You know, is it going to benefit him more to show up? Or is it should, considering he's got, he's got to. He, Go he absolutely should show up. It's it's and it's not because, you know, of the primary competition. It's because he needs to build momentum going into the general. Oh, the debates are what got him to the top last time. Right. It's kind of what he does best. I think I said this on a previous podcast, but the Rosie O'Donnell. Right. Right. The the one liners he has, it built him momentum last time. And I feel like right now. He doesn't, he just, he's not getting the traction that he had. And I know it's early, but he's got to do that. He's got to get involved. And it's not just the debates. I mean, he needs to go back to Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. He needs to do that as well. Because if he doesn't control the message, someone else is going to do it for him. So we get to mid-August or late August and debates are going on and he's not there. Gives DeSantis a chance. Yep. Gives the other guys a chance to make some leeway. And that's it, right? Um, and it's not just that. It's the sound bites. Trump sound bites always make the air, even on CNN, even on MSNBC. And I'm of the opinion that any attention is good intent. Good attention doesn't matter if it's a negative opinion or a positive opinion. Somebody bad mouthing you or not in the political arena, attention is what you want. So. Yeah, he should absolutely debate. I don't think he's going to have a problem with the primary competition. It's early. I'm not writing him in at this point. But again, it it's momentum. Gotta yeah, get I it. mean, I think I think his it's definitely a strength of his. Uh, you know, the the not necessarily the punch, but the counter punch has always been his. His big, uh, he's very good at that, um, at least on the debate stage. You know, the, the question is wh whether, you know, my opinion is I think his uh, his constituents, his, his base here would, you know, maybe perceive that as weak if he didn't show up. And I don't think he definitely wants to be in that position of being seen as kind of avoiding the topic, not even from the standpoint of, you know, getting exposure because clearly I don't think that's ever been an issue uh, with him. Uh, I think the media did, did him a bunch of favors back in 2016. And, you know, just because he's, if nothing else, interesting uh, and uh, a figure that people uh, have strong opinions about one way or another, which definitely helps with eyeballs and, and ears. Uh, from a media standpoint, but, um, you know, he does, you know, he does have a big lead. Um, 
So the question is, what more could he gain by debating? Um, especially if you've got, um, if you really have them targeting him, all the other candidates. And I don't see why they wouldn't uh, at this point. Um, it's surprising how little they've gone after him uh, so far. Uh, I think that's part of the issue on why they haven't gotten much traction because I think uh, I think generally and this is this is what I've gathered over the last just few months right the media generally speaking is giving less attention to the Republican candidates it's almost as if they don't exist I really believe that I don't think that don't talk about them at all and if you I do talk it. about how they're falling off and and they're crackpots no I mean uh haven't some of them been on CNN town halls already? I saw I saw Chris Christie on MSNBC today. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I I, I think they've gotten a, quite a bit of exposure. I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, you know, I think uh, Barry Weiss has interviewed everyone. I don't. I, yeah, but I mean, Barry Weiss is not mainstream media at this point right she's well, got her own independent. i don't i don't know what mainstream media is cnn I, 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 msnbc with an, fox I, news i i consider not, fox as means i mean anyone with an audience is we're i know we're not mainstream media <laughs> no, I, I, not I, yet i think mainstream is people with audiences <laughs> yeah Everyone else is fringe. So, have you seen? Have you seen that MSNBC is beating Fox since Tucker? Oh, really? Got fired? Yeah. Wow. They're destroying them. That's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, anyway. supposedly Fox was. I mean, supposedly Tucker. Were, I saw something that he was. He was fired as a condition of that settlement uh, with the. Uh, with the uh, Dominion uh, election systems, I saw some. I didn't read the article, but it sounded like they were they were backed into a corner on that. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, makes but, sense. Not to go into Tucker, but um, so I think we, I think we generally agree that Trump's going to show up, and it's in his best interest to show up. Yeah. He better because. I think Fox is going to beg him uh, to show up for ratings. Uh, if he's uh, got any shot, if he's got any shot at the presidency, he needs to show up. And again, it's not about the primary. It's about building momentum going into the general and then forward. Yeah, I think he's playing a little coy and he sort of likes, you know, putting probably putting pressure on Fox, if nothing else, because uh, it's their debate. Uh to get him kind of sweating a little bit whether he's going to show up or not but i think we you know i think the money should be on bet uh trump being in milwaukee on uh august 26th or whatever it is so i just thought that was an interesting topic uh since he hasn't uh decided yet and we'll, we're gonna we plan on covering some of the debates uh kind of doing our uh live take and analysis because they're sure to be sure to be entertaining hopefully they will be entertaining i uh, we'll see. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to cover before we sign off, and, you know, there's talk, uh, you know, our PAC talks, you know, 
we're anti-corruption. We believe in anti-corruption laws. I think uh, we have a long way, way to go in regards to routing out corruption in our government. Uh, and I think that gets back to the uh, issue of uh, continuing or rebuilding trust in the government that uh, if we can have some additional laws. And, and there's two things. One thing that was kind of interesting, and I know we've talked about it before, uh, Bob, but I don't know if you saw that there's another bill introduced. I think it was Kristen Hildebrand, and I don't remember who the Republican was, but it was a bipartisan anti, anti-stock trading, just like no stock trading for, for Congress people. Um, I don't know what the chances of that passing, but... Clearly, that's something that we support because I don't think there's uh, there's too many ways around that they shouldn't, you know. Um, Do you let them trade grain commodities? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how how down and dirty they got. I, I would start with stocks. I'd be fine if they start with stocks. Then we could go uh, we could go to other other things that they could trade, baseball cards or or whatnot. I would think. <laughs> I would think commodities, yeah, yeah, they, and they could have an influence on commodity prices for sure. Um, if you want your, if you want your politicians to be farmers, you got to let them trade grain, right? And that's just, that that's kind of what it comes down to for me is, if they own businesses where you, you know, you gotta, you gotta let them come over. Um, I don't like them trading. I don't like them trading stocks. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I agree. Right? I, mean, I, don't. I, I don't like it at all. I think it just it, opens up, you know, a can I, of worms. I also don't think if they own a, you know, the majority of a public company that they founded, that they should be forced to sell that stock either. Maybe you, you don't let them sell or buy or acquire any additional stock in that company while they're in office. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's just start with the basics. Let's start with just public stock trading. Yeah. <laughs> whether not, whether you're bad. involved Shouldn't happen. in the legislation or not, or, you know, yep. it's just something that you're going to give up. Uh, you know, like I, I think I told you before, even even in my job, I had to get, get all my trades cleared, and I, I didn't have... I didn't have any influence on anything. Uh, and I'm not to, allowed to, to have... trade on any information that I may or may not know, right? Right. And, I mean, and, and yeah, the Congress would have been able to get away with it for years. They're privy to so much information that uh, trying to track down what they know or don't know or what what deal they made in the back room, it's just not. Uh, it's just not worth having to track that down and, and try to prove some of these these cases that, you know, a total ban on it while you're in Congress. You know, yeah, put and, it... You know, as, as Speaker of the House, right? I mean, you know what bills you're going to bring and you know what the bills are going to do prior to even bringing them, which gives you weeks, if not months, to make some trades. Yep. I mean, I, and I think... A bill like that, uh, and I encourage, I, I'm, I'm going to do this myself, 
you know, you could call your, your congressmen. Uh, they do pick up the phone. You can email them and express support. I mean, that's that's really the only thing we could do, suppress, uh, express support for these bills. Uh, they, I think they do tally those at least, whether, whether they end up paying attention to them or not. But I think if they get enough calls, uh, it does from their constituents, uh, I think it does end up making a difference. I know, I know where it really hurts too, is like options trading, right? Because congressmen betting against the stock when your constituents own it knowing that you know it compounds the pain when a law is passed against a, a specific company or set of companies industry yep yep all of it all of it should be uh ruled out. i mean yes you're 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 putting them at sort of a disadvantage and but that's kind of the cost of representing the country i mean that's there's got to be some some guardrails you're you're in public service and i think it will go a long way or at least part of the way of restoring some type of credibility so i encourage people to call their local congressman or send them an email or get on their website and let them know you could kind of look i sorry i don't have the name of the bill in front of me but you could kind of look it up and uh, let them know that you support that. So, you know, I, th I think the question is, too, it's not just about stock trading, right? It's corporations. It's, it's money-free speech and are corporations people. Yep. I think the Supreme Court's ruled uh, money is speech, yes, and corporations are people, Yes. It was called so Citizens this was United. was this 15 20 years ago now when was uh, Citizens United I think it was well it was when Hillary was running so yeah probably uh, the 2008 campaign uh, it actually was a documentary about Hillary uh, 15 years exactly okay so yeah so I, yeah I would say 2007 2008 yep yeah so yeah, I mean, the Supreme Court ruled on that. Um, it's a difficult issue. I mean, I've debated people about it. I sort of understand the free speech aspect of it. Um, well, let's break it down. Yes or no, is money free speech? I don't think so. I think money's money. I think mon the argument can be made, that, or yes, I think money's free speech. Honestly, I do. Okay, um, so we disagree. That said, uh, here's where I think a lot of the arguments where it's missed is if you bring up PA system to a protest or to drown out a candidate's voice, it's legal and it should be correct, right? I mean, it's it's legal. You can do it. You can bring a PA to a protest or you can bring a PA to some candidate's speech yeah. Talk all you want. It's legal, right? Yep. You don't have to spend a dime. Don't have to spend a dime. Yep. That said, right, if you have a million dollars and the guy next to you has a dollar, yep. your million dollars is going to drown out that guy's voice. Yep. 
Right. That's what I don't like about it. But it's the same situation. You've got a PA and the guy next to you doesn't. It's the same, right? Your, your what do you voice mean is you have a PA? You've got a PA you, system. you got a microphone Oh, you just have speakers. a bigger PA because you yep. have a million dollars? Exactly. Exactly. That's all it is. There's no difference, right? And therefore, money's free speech. Well, that's not really what's happening, though. But it is. Well, it's but not. They're, they're running. You're right because the money's going into somebody's pocket, but it's the same situation. Well, if the guy with a dollar going, had a million and one dollars. It's going for all these advertisements on TV. And so, yeah, in effect, you're drowning out all the other voices, yes. I think the more important question and the one that's a little bit easier to answer is our corporations people, right? Well, well, let's go back to I the think, money's free speech because you're 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 agreeing that the wealthy should be heard more. That's you're fine with that, and no, I wonder not, why I, we're not, in the position I'm, that we're at. I'm not yes, saying are. that. I'm you not said saying money that the wealthy speech. should be heard more. I'm you, saying the wealthy exactly have the a result. bigger PA system. That's exactly the result. I'm saying the wealthy have louder speakers. But that's the result. But right? if you're going They're to, the only if, you're not gonna, heard. If, if you're not going to create a law against having bigger speakers, just think about all the things going on at universities right now. You get a conservative on campus and you get 20 people and they're screaming and chanting we, and, and we, the speaker can't talk because nobody can hear him or her over the 20 people yelling. I mean, that's free speech, right? We could create a law What's that limits the, the amount of money that our elected officials can raise during election campaigns or get from outside sources. We could definitely do a law that says that, but our Supreme Court says that money is speech. We could do it. And if we don't do it, money's going to rule the day. And that's where we're at. Step back a second, though, right? Step back a second. So money coming from individuals is one thing. And I know you and I are on different pages here, but again, should 20 people be able to go in and chant at a university or something else over a speaker because they don't agree with their beliefs or their platform or the party they're in? Should that be allowed? Should 20 people be able to gang yes. up against one? Yes, we, we believe in the okay. the right of assembly. All that's, right. That's, so one person walks in with so a full got, stack of got, guitar amplifiers and a guitar and then a full stack with a mic hooked up to it. And he sings a song about how much the candidate of the day sucks. Should that be legal or, or, or illegal? I love your analogies. Because all the people next to this guy have no speakers, no guitars, no microphone. I mean, should, should that be legal or not? Well, one, I, 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 don't, I don't understand your analogy. My we're, analogy we're, is we're talking, different. We're, we're talking about speaking... giving monies to campaigns to run ads on TV, and you're talking about a guy hey, strumming look, a guitar. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. You've right. got, Kevin, you got $10 million, and I got $10. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. And you like your candidate 
more than you like my candidate and you give your candidate nine million dollars and I'm going yep. to give my candidate nine dollars. Yep. Doesn't seem fair. Okay. Right. Uh, uh. All right. Same situation. You're able to afford a microphone and an amplifier. You're still just one person. With your $10 million, you're still just one person. And what I'm speaking. able to afford, like, nothing. I can't even afford a megaphone. Right? And yeah. so we both show up at, uh, I don't know, we both show up at President Carter's speech because he's running at his age because he thinks he's better than Joe Biden. And you hate Carter, and I love him. So you bring your amplifier, and you're screaming to the microphone, Carter sucks! Carter sucks! And I'm thinking, yay, Carter! Go, Carter! Go, Carter! That's not fair, is it? I mean, nobody can hear President Carter speaking. All they can hear is Kevin saying, Carter sucks. Is that Well, there's, is that there fair? would be security and noise ordinances, but I still don't get the... The analogy to uh, having more nine, money is just having a louder speaker. That's all I'm saying. Not, not even speaking. That's, but nobody's more speaking. More money means you have a they're, louder voice. That's it. No, they're not even speaking. Those people are not speaking. They're just giving money. They're not speaking. They didn't show up to any event. They give money. And why did they give money? In support. Well, we both well, know why they gave money. Okay. Show up to an event. Go with the bigger speaker. I'm almost but fine why, with that. Why are you why are you screaming in the loudspeaker, Carter sucks, maybe you're running for office? You know what I mean? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe this yeah. opponent candidate paid you. Who knows? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you're. it's the same situation. I, 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 I don't like your analogy, but, I mean, it is it is a more nuanced issue the more you think about it. Um, I, I don't think some people think about it deeply. I mean, I've given it a lot of thought and debated people on the topic and I still come out saying at the end of the day, money shouldn't have the louder voice. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, it's a huge detriment to our political system. Um, and I think here's we, the thing, though. I think I think a lot of it is hiding behind the First Amendment. I mean, we could talk about. I, corporations I think there's a compromise here. This one. Yeah, and I think I think the compromise is corporations aren't people, right? And I think that's obvious. I, I think the Supreme Court back in 2015 put it bluntly, got it wrong. They're not people. No, that said. I think corporate employees could band together and donate. That's fair, but not the corporations themselves, right? So, so you believe um, in limiting money? You don't believe? Do you believe money should be unlimited? Because there are there are limitations on individuals, right? I think yep, and I think it's just when they they get around the rules by forming. Uh, these dark money organizations and whatnot. That then, yeah, I think I, that I think there should be laws that state very guys. clearly that if you donate money, it's on record, and any of these PACs or any other organization needs to document very clearly where the money's coming from, who gave it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, I, th I think there are indiv limits on individual contributions, and I think uh, depending on the type of pack, they do report them, but I think there's been ways around doing that based upon the Supreme Court ruling that's allowed a lot of quote-unquote dark money. So I think we come out the same place at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I just, I just, I think, I think the money um, is speech, but I think, again, you, if you get individuals banding together, I don't know, let's just say you work for McDonald's. McDonald's employees are probably going to want the same thing, which is to keep their job. They may want to donate some money to keep minimum wage at a certain level or to keep beef legal, right? Um, or to allow a certain amount of sugar and food, whatever that may be. So they're going to donate to candidates to make sure it doesn't hurt their jobs. And I think the local populace oh, is going to want that. what local companies want, right? Because they yeah. you want jobs in your community. So, or maybe you don't, who knows? Maybe you don't want a, an industry that's polluting your community and you want to donate money to candidates that don't support that industry either way. Right. But I think the vision, um, of the local populace should reflect probably donations and voices and they'll all align one way or the other. You work for the companies, you want these companies in your area or not. So you speak through your money, your donations and your voice to get that. That said, no, I don't think any company should be allowed to influence politicians through money. Simple as that. But money's a voice. Okay. So I think we, we, we I mean, that's, that's a pretty interesting discussion. I was thinking about talking about corruption, but we'll talk about corruption next, next time. Um, since we got into the free speech discussion. Anything else? I think we're, we're nearing our hour and 20 minutes that we always talk here. Um, so... Uh, anything else on your uh, you'd like to talk about today? I'd just like to again call out our email sensiblecenterpack at gmail dot com. Yeah, uh, we encourage feedback and let us know if there's uh, topics that you'd like us to to, to discuss or delve into, or uh, if you'd like to join sometime. Yeah, please we're email try us. To get, we're going to try to get guests on in upcoming episodes. Maybe not, uh, maybe not any big, uh, you know, celebrities. But we're going to start reaching out to people and people we know uh, to kind of increase uh, the diversity of the conversation and kind of add additional viewpoints and have a little bit of fun, more fun with it too. So, uh, thanks for listening tonight, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye.